Hello and welcome to the No Drama Podcast. I'm Pastor Hoffman and I'm here with Zach Lesser. Say hello to everybody, Zach. Grace, peace, and mercy from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're really glad to be on our second podcast, and I have to say, this one is going to sound better, not not because we got a new host, I'm still here, but Zach uh, has got some new technology, and, and this is thanks thanks to one of our one of the people who think this is a worthwhile topic, and um, I, I didn't get his permission to say his name, but you know who you are, man, and next time when I talk to you about this, we'll give you proper shout-out. Uh, next time, because I didn't want him to go, oh man, why'd you mention my name? So, um, also, and, and I got, we got some really good feedback last time, uh, and one of them was, uh, hey, when you guys were talking that we got a little bit off topic, because what we've done until something changes is we're using the, the devotion I do on Romans as to be a foundation for the program but we also talk about other stuff so you you're going to need to make allowances that we're going to talk about romans and other stuff like we have a we have a a a text here or a a message that somebody wanted to talk to us as to talk about it's the simul so we're going to talk about that also and then if there's something else that that's on our mind heck the show's only 30 minutes long so it's not going to be uh it's not going to be a whole lot of that but as we're here today um we'll be uh we'll be talking about romans and the simul justus et peccator and in case some and anything else so if we're ready to do that you ready man yeah i'm ready um and you know what we're not claiming to be super entertaining uh we want the new me trying to bump the (laughs) mediocre guys one one notch so we're claiming the new spot we are the new mediocre. How's that for a bumper sticker? There you go. The <laughs> new the mediocre. New... <laughs> We're bringing it back. <laughs> we put the men in mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That's got t-shirt written all over it. Oh, it must be because we're slackers or something. Well, as we look over here uh, in the Romans passage, we kind of made it through 17 last time. And 18 to the end of the chapter 32 deals with, well, one major topic is unrighteousness. Now, a lot of times people, uh, want, they want to have their, their words on it, but St. Paul gives us a strong working definition for unrighteousness in verse 18. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Already he's pointing out that um, keeping uh, suppressing the truth is, a, is the act of unrighteousness that St. Paul is going to deal with. And certainly when you think about unrighteousness, if that's our definition, it gives us a lot to work with. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I think we have uh, a little bit of the crux theologorum, too, here. You know, who's doing the what? The unrighteous are suppressing the truth. How? By their unrighteousness, right? So um, we have a little bit of uh, showing, uh, Paul's showing us, you know, for his own damnation. Uh, He he can't do anything to save himself, but uh, man can suppress the truth. 
and 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 this I think that's right and one of the ways well actually there's so many ways that we do it it sometimes it's overtly and other times it's covertly when you're at a um okay well as as many people knew I I didn't I didn't grow up believing in Jesus I was an atheist and when somebody would try to talk to me about Jesus I would be like just do that on your own time that's overtly oppressing the truth and um and covertly in other ways it's to say well we've decided that when we get along at family discussions that we're not going to talk about islam buddhism or christianity any of the religions so it's not a direct slam on the truth but it sort of lumps it in with a bunch of untruths i mean there's lots of ways to suppress the truth yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a good uh, way to define that. And um, uh, Luther was saying in his, uh, we're studying we're studying the large catechism on Sunday mornings here, and today as we were finishing out the first commandment, which only took us three weeks, which is like wow, we're really fast. But um, uh, he says that the biggest problem today. And he points it out, the biggest problem today that in God's word, he says very few people believe it. And so uh, suppressing that maybe makes it seem uh, less less difficult than you might sound. Because for Luther's day, and I'm going to argue our day, unbelief, man, is rampant. It's absolutely crazy, isn't it? It's like... Uh... I think this is my own personal theory here is that um, nobody really wants to address the topic until they've had a crisis uh, of some sort or uh, a life affecting uh, ordeal, you know, that's actually made them look to, hey, where am I going to go when I die? Mm -hmm. So... You know, you yeah, you, like like you said, you have so many people do that on your own time. Don't don't tell me that Jesus stuff over here. I'm invincible, you know. Um, so it's true. Um, I think this is an argument that it's kind of a postmodern thing about you know, kind of not really thinking that there really is any punishment or uh, or postmodern kind of thing of of talking about it almost like it's passe or old-fashioned and then well what goes down the it when you when you try to get rid of unrighteousness by saying it doesn't exist well what you also get rid of is a hope like the gospel and forgiveness i mean people like forgiveness but if you sort of not deal with the problem of of being sinners then the gospel really means nothing exactly um, you know, Paul goes on this for, uh, you know, and he's, he's saying that, uh, that the, um, the time here, I mean, this is, this is, um, I'm going to say this is like 58, 59 AD. We're about 64 AD, I believe is when Nero really starts persecuting the church. But, um, you have this sense of he is able now, and these people are hearing it. The gospel is being proclaimed, and uh, and th so he's telling them, you know, they know this. This is true, but they're actively seeking against it, and they're without excuse. 
and there you go um he says in in uh in verse 20 for the invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse for although they knew god they did not honor him as god or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened uh, kind of brings us back to uh, psalm 14 only a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Yeah, and I want to clarify something on that text. I think uh, Tillian erred on this text, trying to prove God from nature. Um, <laughs> that's not what Paul is saying here. Uh, he's saying you can know there is a God because of his eternal uh divine attributes such as nature but uh that revelation of god does not come outside of the revelation of christ oh yeah so that that's that is a that would be a horrible um i think that's a horrible exegesis to say well just look at the tree and know that and then next thing you know christ is on that tree for you that you're never going to make that jump Right, and uh, unfortunately, some of the church fathers we look at did err here, and, and people still do it today. It's amazing they never go back and double check, you know, the the old errors and be like, hey, you know, maybe I should check what people did wrong so I don't do the same thing, right? <laughs> We're the worst statement in theology. Hey, you know what would be cool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, def um, yeah, you don't want to say it, and this natural knowledge of God is. I'm going to say it's a good thing, but it's, you know, St. Paul will be very clear on this. This is why I didn't hear that about Tillian. But if anybody says this, that you're going to know God through nature, St. Paul, the guy that you're getting this from, is later going to say in here, how can you know unless you hear? And how can you hear unless it's preached? And how can, you know, unless somebody is sent? He's not, this is, you can't get the hippie Jesus out of this. It has to be done, uh, it's through the proclaimed word of God and, and by somebody who's been sent. So any of the, any of the, you know, just look at the beautiful sunshine and know that Jesus is the, is the propitiation for our sins. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and that was another good rule for biblical hermeneutics is we don't want to just read the text and, uh, you know, to pick one text out. I mean, it might apply somewhere, but Paul is building throughout the entire book. Um, he's not just leaving it, you know, at this one text. So um, we want to be real careful on that. Uh, absolutely. And this is why the book of Romans is one, you know, one book and um, reading the whole things. Oh, that's a good point. You know, taking things out of context. Uh, in Romans, you're you're free to do it, man. People go nuts, and they love taking Romans out of context. But you understand when you understand that he wrote this letter to be saying, "Here's a holistic view. You got to read the whole thing." Yeah, I um, that's exactly right. Uh, Paul, especially in Romans, it's it's like he's just building blocks. You know what I mean? He's leading up to this great thing. Um. And uh, we don't want to, we were just talking about this. You, you don't want to just see the sin of homosexuality in here. You know, uh, he's listing all sins at the end. All sins 
are a result of unbelief. So we don't want to just say, okay, this is against homosexuality. <laughs> no, it's against uh, evil, covetousness, malice, uh, murder, envy, strife, deceit, maliciousness, <laughs> gossip, slanders of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. Think of that. Boastful is right there, too. So, yeah. Um, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, uh, etc. So... Yeah, you know, it, we're not just talking about the sin of homosexuality. We're talking about all sins as a result of unbelief here. Oh, definitely. I mean, this is a this gives us a witness to what we should think about homosexuality. But if you if somebody says, "Well, you know, this is the um, this is the only," uh, you know, that's not the only topic because a lot of people you'll go, "What do you think about homosexuality?" And they're like, oh, it's, it's totally evil, and, and, you know, it's a sin, and you've already said that, and it's wrong and everything. But then you say, well, what do you think about unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, or malice? They're like, eh, you know, give or take. <laughs> and I'm like, it's in the same paragraph. Moving the goalposts. Goal <laughs> I'm moving the goalposts. <laughs> yeah, and then you're just going, no, no, you know, that's just, no. That's just can't be it. No. But, and when you say, you know, moving the goalpost, that's actually, that's the way it is. People say, well, slanderers, you know, well, I don't like slanderers if I'm being slandered, you know, but I'll slander a gay person. What? That's, what? Um, or, or insolent or haughty. I mean, we don't even use that word anymore. But you do find people, inventors of evil, you know, the people that are, uh, looking for 50s when there was a Russian under everybody's bed and the theologians that are going, well, there's a there's a something bad always happening in, in the paranoia that goes with it. Well, there's definitely, you know, a lot of stuff here. This is an entire, this is a five-part series. <laughs> <laughs> because there's so much stuff here. But it, as soon as you get to verse 31, foolish, faithless, Heartless, ruthless. I think we should write a hymn and title it Foolish, Faithless, Heartless, and Ruthless. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, he well, says... Well, this, this text parallels, you know, for this reason, God uh, to dishonorable passions for their women exchange natural relations for these that are contrary to nature. Uh, when he says God gave them over, we look back to Pharaoh of old who hardened his heart and harden his heart, and harden his heart, and refuse to repent, and then God finally said, okay, you're done, you know, now I'm hardening your heart, so. Yeah, here you go, that's what you want, be careful, you know, all of our grandparents have always said it to us, be careful what you ask for, because you might get it. Exactly. Um, so, you know, when we look at this, I mean, there's, there's a lot we could talk about on the unrighteousness, but um, we talked about, you know, ways that people try to prevent uh, or suppress the truth. And, uh, you know, that's not just something that we can blame the government on in our daily lives. Like people who believe it's it's illegal to pray at school. And I'm like, ugh, no, it's illegal for the teacher to stand up there and say, as of today, all of us are are press or all of us are Lutherans, as much as we all go, yay! But the truth is, when when if a state-run organization, if it falls under the Constitution, and it does, 
then it just can't say, well, this is a state-sponsored Catholic school or Lutheran school. It's a state-sponsored school, which means religion within the school, but the school does, doesn't pick one, and all of a sudden it's Sharia law now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and that's, you know, we have the First Amendment there, and it's pretty clear. Um, unfortunately, with Scripture, though, there they really can't, schools can't deny the historical evidence, you know, of Scripture and the historical accuracy. So uh, Scripture is still used in schools today um, as a historical document. So, Do you care if we move on to the question about the simul? No. Um, one of the things, in, and Zach was sent, a, a, or maybe it was in the Lutheran, the no drama Lutheran Stuff No Drama Facebook group, which if you're not a part of, you should be, because there's like like 600 and stuff. It's insane that that, that, that many people would want to be part of that. But All um, mediocre people. They are. They Actually, they're pretty cool. I think we're the mediocre ones. Don't tell them, though. Yeah, uh, no, because we don't want them to get haughty. <laughs> Did you we just get haughty? Um, yeah, we, we got a question, um, uh, from, from Jeff, who, who says, okay, on the subject of simul use to set Pekatuv monergism to be the truth, very good, that being said, once we are called in here, get baptized and take communion regularly, why are we still hung up on being bad people? Is it because that we are still flesh and we still sin? Does a Lutheran have confidence in salvation? I'm not going super deep into all the details of salvation just for the sake of getting to the question. I get that part. Okay, so, boy, I'll tell you what, this is good stuff here. Because um, monergism, yes, we're, it's, not a, it's not a transactional thing. We're saved by grace completely. But he says, once all of people, we get baptized, we receive the Lord's Supper, are we still hung up on being bad people? And... Uh, my, when we look at this, we say, well, um, when we look at baptism and we take the Lord's Supper, we ask why, and it's for the forgiveness of sins. And then, and if we, and who receives the forgiveness of sins? Sinners. And so when we look at it that way, we see, well, it is for the forgiveness of sins. And so being bad people, well, by the definition of sinners, that is literally in means of bad. So, you know, that. That's okay. We didn't all of a sudden become perfect. Otherwise, we can skip hearing the gospel and the sacraments and everything. Yeah, that's right. And I would I would say this is a good question to go back to the small catechism on because what is the Christian life other than uh, a life of repentance and faith? And that's that's daily repentance. So um, the while we're in the simmer simmel, while we're same time saint and sinner. At the same time, you know, we need to recognize that it's so easy for us to fall into temptation. That's what we pray against. Um, and so that's why Jesus says, you know, abide in me and I in you. From apart, apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. That's why we go to church. That's why we have the supper. That's why we have baptism and holy absolution. It's because without these things, God knows how frail we are and how easily we'd be swayed away from the faith into unbelief. And the end result is is unbelief is the root cause of all sin. So, Christ, we have the gospel to uh, 
protect us from our sinful nature, if that makes sense. Oh, it does make sense. Um, and also, when we look at these list of things, and I think, by the way, he, he, he made a list of things that Lutherans hold dear. When you say to a Lutheran, for example, hey, are you baptized? Well, yes. If you say to them, you know, do you receive the Lord's Supper? Yes. I mean, James here, if Jeff, I mean, is, is, uh, is right on track to saying, well, this has happened. Um, and does a Lutheran have confidence in salvation? Well, absolutely. Why? Because you're baptized and you're regularly receiving the Lord's Supper. And, well, everything, as Luther's would say, this is all extra nos. This comes outside of us. And our, our security is that it doesn't matter what I've done towards salvation, but what has Christ done? And why do we have confidence? Because Jesus doesn't fail or falter in that sense. Yeah, that's right. And Jesus always said to the disciples and, and other people, ye with little faith. And and all we can say to that is how true. Amen. Uh, <laughs> we are people of little faith. And that faith needs to be nourished and nurtured. Uh, if you look at Paul uh, talking about spiritual milk versus spiritual meat, you know, we, we grow up in this faith, you know, as Jesus said in the Great Commission, baptize and teach, and lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. So we're never done learning, we're never done stopping, and we're never done sinning while in the flesh. So that's why we're constantly being turned back to these gifts in word and sacrament um, to be forgiven and have a clear conscience before God. Because the Christian conscience by the Spirit, is going to feel bad. It's going to feel guilty. And we want to be as all of that. We want a good conscience before God and Christ. Oh, absolutely. And again, only through the forgiveness of sins could we even have a good conscience. Otherwise, how you can't have a good conscience if all that's weighing on you is I, the poor, miserable sinner. Well, even in our liturgy, that doesn't end there. It ends with absolution. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think the the crux of the question comes to uh, why do we focus on our sin? Be well, the, the, the simple answer is because we just never stop, you know. Um, we're boastful, arrogant, haughty, <laughs> uh, adulterers, you know, all the like. You know, Satan uses these things to, uses things to tempt us to sin and to get us away from Christ often, like like Luther says, uh, the fiery darts of the devil, right? I think one of the best things is what is the benefits of eat, this eating and drinking. Uh, he says, these words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins shows us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. And I'll tell you what, I've slept uh, very well at night knowing that that is true. Right, right. Um, and you know, my pastor pointed a text out once, you know, where Jesus says, uh, unless you become uh, like this child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. And he said, that's the wrong translation there. He said, it says, uh, unless you are made to be like this child, which puts a totally different spin on it, doesn't it? Well, what is it? Okay, your your pastor must have like a super Lutheran. Um, when you look when you look at it, is to say rather than 
hey, idolaters, look at this child and become like this child. He's saying, no, unless you have become being made like this. In other words, it's a great because it's the opposite of works righteousness because a child becomes completely needful to their parents, uh, is completely humbled before their father, for example. And so, yeah, that's, that is a really good point. It keeps you away from saying, because children are inherently innocent until they can make the decision for blah, 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 blah. It be, it's just, yeah. Radio in it. <laughs> Beep. You know, I mean, no, it's, it's, it is just absolutely, no, it's madness. And so we don't, we don't look at the, uh, we don't look at the, uh, uh, at the <laughs> child, that the child as being our salvation. So, I mean, you get, you get really some weird idolatry when you start looking at the scriptures and kind of piecemealing, uh, what what you think you're going to get out of it. So pretty soon you're like, the devil's going, oh good, they're trying to become like children because they're harm, they're sinless. <laughs> and that's just not how it's going to work. So, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. So yeah, your pastor made a really good point there. Um, yeah, you know, and that's that's what I like about our church is that our pastors are trained to read the Greek, the actual text that the New Testament was written in. So we're not settling for uh, poor English translations all the time, but the pastors are actually going back and interpreting the text uh, for us from the original uh, text. Um, agreed. And there's also one thing here, too, with the simul. He makes... Um... He makes uh, this person. Are, why are we still hung up on being bad people? And I and I think a, a better way maybe to state this is to say, why are we still hung up on needing Jesus? Um, yeah, that I, I think that's a perfect uh, that's a perfect comparison. That's where 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 that should. I actually think that should fit, and then it's kind of complete in itself. Um, <laughs> And the answer is never. We're never done needing Jesus. So, um, you know, again, like Jesus tells us in John 3, 5, one must be born from above. And again, this is a baptism text, but he's saying, I have to do this, you know. We don't want to be like Nicodemus and be like, uh, what do I do, crawl back in my mother's womb? You know, <laughs> we don't want to be the same uh in, in the same kind of ignorance, you know, that Nicodemus was, we want to realize what Jesus is teaching us there. We can only do that through the spirit, you know, who enlightens us. So, uh, which, which I'm sure that, um, God will awaken your, your heart, you know, through the spirit, through, through the word and, and properly being taught, you know? Yeah. Um, I still so, can't get that picture out of my head. Crawling back into your mother's womb. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> no i agree that one's always traumatized me too i don't even know what nicodemus was thinking even asking the question back to jesus there but it's there so <laughs> my uh, mom with her five with kids my mom with five kids is going uh no <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's just it's bad all the way around. And and in I've actually I forget where I read it where something a commentator saying that partly Luther, I mean um, Nicodemus was being a little snide in that and uh, to ask him that. In other words, because the idea of water in the Jewish culture having uh, having God promised properties is not new. Just baptism in this way, as as we'll read in the scriptures, now saves you. But they had cleansing rituals, so it's not like Jesus was a, a, a nut job that came out of nowhere. Um, he's very consistent theologically um, with how with how the God uh, with how the water and word and everything that it comes with His promise, and so. People are like, well, that just came out of nowhere. Well, no, just read your read your uh, read your Leviticus sometime and see whether water is used in any kind of ritual. So it's not. Yeah, that's right. Anyone entering the temple, they had the they had to baptize uh, their hands. They had to wash their hands. This is a type and shadow. Uh, we have the parting of the Red Sea. You know, they were baptized into Moses, the rock that was struck, which is Christ. Um, yeah, no, it's it's everywhere, so. Yep. No, there's that. Yeah, they just have too much of a, yeah, it's it's clear. Um, and and again, with the simul, now for for the simul, uh, it's kind of interesting because rather than calling on us to ensure that we labor hard enough to be the simul, it's just kind of a statement of fact, like, but, um, it's a it's a huge it's a very good way of understanding who we are for the for the puritans who said if you do anything wrong you're just going to go to hell and for the antinomians who were like nah it's all good luther is right there telling them no you're both wrong we are sinners who have a need for jesus and i think with the antinomians versus like the puritans the argument was, how can we get out of needing Jesus? And Luther's going, you can't. So without, you know, the Puritans and the Antinomians, neither of them need Jesus in their theologies. But for Lutherans, it's like, oh, no, absolutely. He does everything he promises. And, and not because of me, but in spite of my works, he does them. Yeah, for Lutherans, that is our theology, Jesus. In one word, that's our theology. So, hey, you uh, know what? That would sum it up. Jesus is our theology. Uh, we have Christ-centered theology, uh, and and like Pastor just said, uh, if you're not if you're not properly distinguishing law and gospel, you're going to end up in either error of either one of those camps, uh, either antinomian or or uh, uh, pietism. Uh, and that's that's not what we want. We want to end up in Jesus. Absolutely. So. Well, you know what? This is the funnest half an hour. I'm sorry, the most mediocre half an hour on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we've actually spent it up. Um, I, I, I definitely, I'm so glad of anybody here who's listening. And I thank uh, Zach for, all, for being a part of this also. And I hope that you guys have a... You guys have a good week, and we'll see you next week. What do you say, Zach? Yeah, guys, we'll get better with time. And uh, to to the person who uh, sent equipment to us to uh, make this better, 
We really appreciate it, and we will check with you for a shout-out. Um, there's been some other people that helped us, you know, um, as far as online. You know, the, the group is what you guys make it, you know, how, however much you want to get into it. And uh, same with the podcast, you know, if you throw us the questions, you know, we could sit here and talk about them, you know, the, the whole time. But uh, I think eventually our goal is just to keep the catechism flowing, you know, with a good good and pure confession, you know, for, from the scriptures and the, the Luther confessions. Well, and on that note, I would like to give a plug for our podcast is at nodramalutherans.podbean.com and always email us with uh, lutheranstuff.nodrama at gmail.com So until next time, thanks everybody and God's richest blessings on your day. Amen. Amen.